0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Mitch Michaels here and thank you as always for listening to this sports podcast For today's show we actually have live sports to talk about, a live sporting contest to talk about, UFC 249 in Jacksonville, Florida. I'm going to be talking to my buddy MMA fighting writer Jose Youngs. We break down the pay-per-view headline by Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje. It's not the Ferguson Khabib fight, but Gaethje is a heck of a fighter. The highlight, as they call him, we break down that fight. How the pay-per-view is going to work from the perspective of not having fans, the restrictions on who can even be in the arena. Jose going to be actually going to Florida to cover the fights, so we'll talk about that. Francis Nagato on the card as well. Dominic Cruz, Henry Cejudo for the bantamweight title. Lots of great fights. Lots of great fighters all the way through the card, top to bottom. We talked to Jose about that, as well as uh, some of his music loves at the end, and uh, you're not going to want to miss that as well. It's Jose Youngs from MMA Fighting on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, live sports back again. Starting on Saturday, May 9th, the UFC is back with 249, three fight cards in a span of about seven days. Had to hit my boy up from MMA fighting, Jose Youngs. Jose is actually going to be traveling to the card. So, Jose, man, how's it going? How are you holding up through all this chaos and all these crazy times?
1: It's uh, it's hard to answer that question because I still don't know all the answers to those questions. Uh, I feel like every single day I email the UFC trying to figure out what to do or things that protocols that need to be followed and so on and so forth. And whatever answer they give me, I'll have like five to six more questions. So, Ask me again in 24 hours. I'm sure I'll have a different answer. Man,
0: it is. It's crazy what's happened. How we're kind of desensitized to just things not happening. That now that we we have a fight card in the flesh, uh, we have something live in the flesh. It's kind of surreal that we're we're not used to that. I want to take a step back first because you've been on the ground floor for all of this. Where we were, we had the Brazil fight card in March that was a closed arena. That was right around the time everything got canceled for the foreseeable future all around the world. We almost had this fight card in uh, April at the Tachi uh, Casino on the, uh, the Indian Casino. When that was taking place, realistically, were you preparing for a cancellation there? Because it almost seemed like they were just... The the UFC was just trying to get something off the ground in the face of everybody telling them in April, hey, we we shouldn't and we can't be doing this.
1: The UFC is so desperate. Well, not desperate. They just want to be... Like, Dana White wants to be first. And you and I have talked about this before. Like, whenever you tell Dana White he doesn't want... Like, something's a bad idea, he's going to want to do it even more. I mean, remember when... Greg Hardy was fighting on the main card of the first ESPN card, and everyone was like, it's a bad idea, Dana. And he's just like, yeah, well, now he's the co-main event. Uh, so it just seems to be his thing. It's what, what The Tachi Palace seems like an interesting idea. I mean, we kind of joked about it being on Indian Reservation, and then when it was, we were like, oh, damn, Dana's, like, really serious about this. It's so it's, – it's difficult to even, like – figure out where anyone's head at is in the Mm -hmm. UFC because once that fight card and like I interviewed Habib in March before Israel Adesanya and Romero and I asked this was the day I interviewed him was the day New York went into uh what do, you, what do you call it like it was on it was like on a it was on high alert like it was on a state yeah, of emergency it wasn't actually.
0: shut down yet but it was we're getting we're, we're gearing up for something bad
1: it was it was the day it was declared state of emergency and i go so habib you're fighting in new york and new york just went in a state of emergency and he cut me off he didn't even want to talk about it and then we lost that fight uh, because it was in New York, and then it was going to move to Tachi Palace, and then that got canceled because the governor called Disney, and then Disney called the ESPN, and then ESPN called the UFC, <laughs> and then they rebooked it. They were going to put it on an island, and now it's in Jacksonville. So, it's I get what Dana's trying to do. I get people want to do it, and if anyone was going to pull this off, it was going to be Dana White. I just I like I said when I start when I signed on to the show. I have a lot of questions and a lot of media members have – not even just media members. A lot of people have questions and I just wish they were more transparent with these questions uh, or with what right. they were doing. Like if I've – if they're following guidelines, let us know what the guidelines mm-hmm. are. Like I don't want to fly down to Jacksonville and then all of a sudden I have to go interview a fighter and I'm not – Yeah. like am I being – like not even just for my sake. Like what if a fighter is like, hey, have you been tested? I'd be like, nope. Uh, so I just want to know. What the protocols are? I I just wish they would meet, be more transparent uh, in regards to everything.
0: Right, and, and I'm not doubting that they're the UFC is not taking the, the preventative safety measures and they're they're doing the best that they can. Uh, I just thought when all that was going down, I mean, I live in California, I thought there was no way that was going to take place given the state, given the climate, the fight island stuff, and you can speak more <laughs> to that. It seemed like more of a it seems still seems like more of a long term solution for we want to have pay per views that don't that you know we can't have fans we want to have a central place to do this there's there's chaos in the world let's find a let's find a central location for it we'll we'll see where that goes but i always kind of felt like jose this was gearing towards wherever the first state one of the first states to open up will be this was going to be the end game where it's going to be like three four weeks and in, in, in this case three fight cards crammed into like one week in the same place where they can have these fights because you got to remember too like they were saying no gatherings at all, so I know this is shut off to the public. But ten people isn't that much, so I'm I'm just curious to see. This is going to be the empty arena, and, and that's what I wanted to ask you to speak more on how the fight process is going <laughs> to work. How many people are going to be there? You're as a member of the media. How is media access going to work? I'm very fascinated to see how this works. With again, you can't have more than ten people in the same right.
1: room. Well, I know I don't know how the fight week is going, how the actual fight night's is going to go yet. Um, I have a feeling the UFC doesn't even know. No, yet, because they're sending us uh, sending me updates like every day on new developments, uh, because I'm going to be flying down there, but in terms of the media side, uh, today is or tomorrow is UFC 249 media day, but it's going to be 100% virtual mm-hmm. uh so they're gonna have fighters that will be answering questions uh via like webcast or zoom or something like that i'm not 100 percent sure what the software is but that's how they're going to be doing it same for the post fight press conference and then so the the first thing i'll be able to attend is the official lands i'll be able to go and re- uh, record them hitting the scale but we have to be distant mm-hmm. and supposedly on fight night we will get a, there will be antibody tests Uh, I don't know the 100% the specifics or if that's what's happening. Uh, I know everyone that is staying at the host hotel. So the fighters, uh, UFC staff, uh, fight corners, all that stuff are being tested like daily. And they have to wear a wristband to indicate they've been tested. Tony Ferguson actually shared a video on his Instagram of him uh, being tested like them sticking the thing up his nose and everything. So uh, they are doing what they can uh, I'll have a better idea of what's happening because, like, I'm not staying at the fight hotel, so I would imagine I would have to go through some protocols when I arrive. So just to film the official lands, uh, so it's it's again again I have a lot of questions. Yeah. You have a lot of questions, and I'm going to be the one there, and I don't even know what the answers are yet.
0: Well, it's going to make for a fascinating viewing experience too. Uh, UFC 249, getting to the card, Jose. It actually is. It's pretty good. Like, and I'm not just saying this is a, a sports thirsty fan looking for something. Cause obviously I'd be watching this regardless, but this is a really good card. And, uh, there's just, there's the one tragic, you know, elephant in the room. It's out there that we've been trying to make Khabib and Tony since December, sure. 2015. And, uh, we're still at a point where your words are prophetic and, uh, it's cursed. Cause I don't know if it's going to happen. You've said that for a while. And, uh, I'm starting more and more to believe that.
1: Not even Dana thinks it'll be, it'll happen. Like he did a Reddit AMA and they're like, uh, Ah, uh, what? Like, will we have, Will we see Habib Tony in 2020? He's like, probably not. And they're like, what's the biggest fight that got away? And he's like, probably Habib Tony. Uh, so it's everyone, everyone. This fight is cursed. Uh, and the fact that we, I, I'm pretty sure I was on your show like months ago after Justin Gaethje fought Donald Cerrone and I, and knocked him out. And I was like, imagine a world where Tony Ferguson has to fight Justin Gaethje. Just to fight Habib, and that's the reality of the situation. Like I think Justin Gaethje is pound for pound the most exciting fighter on the planet up there with style. Better, he is the worst matchup for everyone. Like if everyone, everyone's like, what would be the worst matchup for Conor? What would be the worst matchup for Habib and Tony and Poirier? I think the answer is always Justin Gaethje because he hits hard, he has insane cardio, uh, he has a granite chin. And he never uses his wrestling, and he has elite wrestling that he rarely shows off. So uh, a lot of a lot of tools to go with a lot of violence, and the fact that Tony now has to fight like like when Tony fought Donald Cerrone and Anthony Pettis, uh, his last two fights, everyone kind of knew it was a good matchup for uh, Tony Ferguson in terms of styles. Like everyone expected him to win because he really shines against those type of fighters, those those uh, the ones where he can just be wild and reckless and and come out on top. You can't be reckless against Justin Gaethje. He's coming off of three first-round knockouts, and he's, like, starched Don Cerrone. He destroyed Edson Barbosa, and he destroyed James Vick. So I would not be shocked if Justin Gaethje emerged victorious after this fight, and snaps Tony Ferguson's woodstick. stick. It's, I think it's up in the air. I think it's a 50-50 fight, uh, but Justin Gaethje has a lot bigger of a chance uh, than Tony Ferguson the, against Tony Ferguson. The people that give him credit, yeah,
0: absolutely. I'm I'm sad as everybody else is that Khabib Tony isn't happening. But if we're talking, and I don't even want to you know frame it this way necessarily as a consolation prize, this is pretty good. It sucks for Tony Ferguson that he has to you know keep running through these opportunities to win the interim title, and he's not getting yeah. that shot at Khabib. But this is a heck of a fight. More on this in a second. Jose Young's Money Mitch Effect talking with MMA Fightings. Uh, the top guy here to discuss some stuff. And uh, this 249 card, I want to get to the prelims in greater detail. But the early preliminary card, what can you tell us about those three fights uh, and, and what we should know getting going? Because I think a lot of people are going to be tuned in right from the get-go based on, like I said earlier, the lack of options. So what can we look forward to in those first three fights?
1: Well, Vicente Luque versus Nico Price is bananas. Like if you're they like we we talk about how stacked this card is, and obviously everyone is circling Fergus and Gaethje. I think that's a no-brainer for the favorite for fight of the night. But you have a lot of fights on the undercard that uh, really stick out, and Vicente Luque and Nico Price has all the makings to be insanity. I mean, Vicente Luque was on a long win streak before he ran into Steven Thompson and lost, but it was still a great fight, and then Nico Price. I don't think he's ever been in a boring fight. He's one of those guys, like, he's either going to get decapitated or he's going to decapitate you. He knocked out nice. Randy Brown. He knocked out Randy Brown from his back with hammer fists. Like, that, oh, yeah. that's just – it's a weird weird thing to think about. But this cat is never out of a fight. Super interesting guy. Uh, so, Luke a. Price – is one of the three fights I would circle for potential fight of the night. I'd put it on par with Ferguson Gage in terms of excitement. And then Bryce Mitchell, Charles Rosa. Uh, Bryce Mitchell is undefeated. Is coming off the second-ever Twister submission, successful Twister submission in UFC history. Uh, And then Charles Rosa is a black belt in jiu-jitsu, trains on ATT. Uh, Heath believes he has the best jiu-jitsu at 145 pounds to the point where he wanted to fight Crone Gracie just to prove a point. And so this is Mitchell versus Rosa is – uh, has the makings to be a very fun matchup if you're a big fan of grappling and scrambles. Rose is one of those guys that uh, he's been away for. He's he's had long stretches of inactivity due to injuries, uh, but he's he's one of the more exciting fighters at 145 pounds. I believe he has the most submission wins in UFC history in Boston. So he's he's three and zero in the TD Garden, which is more than I think one more than McGregor, mm. Chael Sonnen. Uh, there's been a lot of great fighters that have gone through the city of Boston. Charles Rosa has more wins than any of them. Uh, so I would circle those top two. And then Ali versus Span is just a fun fight. I think someone's going to go to sleep in that fight. But uh, Mitchell Rosa and uh, Nico Price and uh, Vicente Luque have all the makes to be fighting the nights.
0: Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. This thing gets jumping very quickly, and these would normally be prelim cards. Like, th- this is very low on the card for all three of these. Uh, the actual prelim, Jose, seeing Hall-Sosa fight, I think that's going to be kind of cool to see. Yeah. Again, guys that are looking to kind of bounce back, Hall's kind of been on the, the wrong end of some fights. Uh, Sosa had that you know, split. He tried to go up to light heavyweight, lost that split decision to Jan, so I think we're looking at a good fight there. I'm actually interested to see the uh, the featherweight the women's strawweight fight rather the as far as the yeah Michelle that's fight. an
1: interest that's two former Invict Invicta FC for mm-hmm. those of your listeners who don't know Invicta FC is the all women's MMA promotion uh, headed by Shannon Nabb it's a phenomenal promotion a lot of greats like the Misha Tate's the Kazanganos, the Roxanne modifiers, Angela Hills like a lot of great female fighters in the UFC have come through Invicta FC. And Carlos Spars and Michelle Watterson are two former Invicta champions uh, back even before the UFC had the strawweight division. uh, They both fought uh, for Invicta. So Carlos Spars is the former strawweight uh, UFC and evicted champion and Michelle watterson I think te- is is was the former atomweight championship, which was hundred which is hundred and five pounds. So it's even ten pounds lower. I actually think both of these women are natural weights. so they could easily make hundred and five pounds. Uh, there's just no hundred five pound yeah. t- uh, division in the UFC. It's pretty shallow. So I was shocked these two hadn't fought yet. Uh, these two have been around the game for so long. So. The fact that you're circling that fight, uh, you're not wrong. It also has a lot of pressure being the only female fight on this card, and uh, two of the more popular fighters uh, on the UFC roster.
0: Yeah, looking at I think ten or excuse me seven and eight in the rankings, so a win here can yeah. boost their chances.
1: The last both time. lost to both have lost to Joanna, like and Carlos Sparz's last win yeah. over Alexa Grasso in Mexico City. Watch that fight. For people who don't think female strawweights put on good fights, that fight rules. Like, that fight was scrambling, striking. That was just an all-around MMA fight in Mexico City at high altitude. I absolutely love that fight. So uh, go watch that fight if you think women's 115-pound fighters uh, don't put on exciting fights. And and just the side note, right? Like, we're all chasing
0: a a female fight for fight of the year in UFC. I don't know how many more fights we're going to have, but that last fight between – that last fight – I know everyone talks about, um, you know, the Izzy fight against Romero, but we all know what the fight of the night was, and in my money, fight of the year was.
1: Oh, it's not even. I mean, a it's question. not close. Joanna like, like, Wiley Zhang yeah, might like, be the greatest female. F- That's one of the five greatest fights I've ever seen. Like, I don't even want to hear like greatest female fight. That's one of the greatest fights. Period. Uh, it's that. Like someone asked me, like. What was a better title fight? Lawler v. McDonald or uh, Wiley Zhang versus Yoan? And I was like, I don't honestly know. Like, if you would have asked me two months ago, the it's a no brainer. Lawler McDonald's the greatest title fight I've ever seen. Up there, like, John Jones Gustin is great, uh-huh. uh, is another great one, too. But Zhang, Wiley, and Yoannie and Jaychik, that fight was insanity. So, yeah, greatest fight, mm-hmm. one of the greatest fights I've ever seen in my life.
0: It was incredible. Uh, definitely, it was a very incredible fight. Uh, more from the prelim card. I want to touch on. We're uh, versus Olenek. I-, I think this is an interesting one because Olenek actually called uh, called out we Doom, and-, and they got this match and this fight taken care of. We're uh, has you know been the belt holder. He's been at that position before. Contrasting, because I I think Olenek he if he can take him down, I mean if he gets you to the canvas, it's pretty much over. But seeing these two fight is going to be interesting.
1: And oh, I, this yeah. this fight like to, to like that fight, like the two best grapplers at heavyweight. Like you talk about Alexio Olenek is submitting people with like crazy Ezekiel chokes and all these this stuff like. Verdum is a multiple-time – and not just multiple-time. He might have like double-digit gold medals in AD, ADCC, IBJJF, Pan, Pan Ams. Like to say he is a great grappler is an understatement. He is one of the greatest grapplers to ever grace the the, the, the MMA mats, not just the UFC octagon. So uh, he's like he has like what, 40, maybe 40, 30 fights total. Alexio Linick, like Alexio Linick is the only, is the first fighter in UFC history, or first, uh, I believe, for, uh, to, to compete, that has fought in four decades. He made his debut in 96, and then he fought, obviously, in the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, and then he fought Maurice Green at UC 246 in 2020. So uh, to say this guy has been around the block would be an understatement. He was fighting in Ukraine. When we were six years old, when <laughs> MMA was still like, he fought yeah. Chael Sonnen in bow dog fights in British Columbia, Canada. Like he's fighting elite fighters. He's 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 lost to Jeff, Mon- Jeff Monson. He's lost to the Curtis Blades and the Overrooms and the Walt Harris. But like he submitted Mark Hunt. He submitted Travis Brown and and J- and finished Jared Roche So this guy McCain. is he, yeah, he's unbelievable. And then Verdum. Olenek and Verdum are two of the greatest Mm -hmm. heavyweight grapplers ever. And I am so happy this fight is happening. I think it's, I wish this fight was five rounds. I really do. Cause uh, I can't, I don't know off the top of my head. I know Verdum's never been submitted. I, I bet Oleksiy Olenek has been submitted maybe once or twice. I mean, I think he has like 60 professional fi- 60 or 70 total fights, Jeez. period. So uh, if Oleksiy Linux submits Fabrizio Verdum, my head is going to explode just because it's so insane to think about. It's going to be a good one for sure. We'll see
0: who can, if Verdum can shake off the rust. But it was one that matchmakers thought was too good to pass up. And then lastly on the prelim, I just don't know what to expect, what Cowboy or Pettis have left in the tank. What do you think these guys have left? Obviously, not coming in in their best form into this fight.
1: I mean, they're like, yeah, they're on. They're both on a some the the lowest of their careers in terms of wins and losses. But like, outside of like Cerrone's lost three in a row, mm-hmm. tied for his longest ever. But look who he's lost to. <laughs> yeah. He's lost to Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje, Conor McGregor, and then he's being pretty much like not even just that. Look at who, dating back to like two thousand. And like third, like 2010, who's he lost to? Like off the top of my head, Nate Diaz, Anthony Pettis, Javier dos Anjos, Javier dos Anos twice, Masvidal, Lawler, Darren Till, Leon Edwards, and then Ferguson, Gaethje, and McGregor. Like those are top five fighters in two weight classes. Uh, like lost to RDA, former champ. Uh, lost to Robbie Lawler, former champ. Majidal, BMF champ. Darren Till, former title contender. Tony Ferguson, former interim champion. Conor McGregor, former champ, two weight champion. Justin Gaethje, former World Series of Fighting champion. And then he's beating everyone else. So, uh, and then Anthony Pettis. Uh, if you're if you're just going off of like, like strength of schedule, he Anthony Pettis has a strong argument that he he has had the hardest schedule in UFC history. Like, look at who he's fought. Like, he's lost. Like, we just talked to all the people that Pettis lost to. Pettis, I mean, Cerrone's lost to. Pettis has lost to RDA, Eddie Alvarez, Barbosa, Holloway, Poirier, Ferguson, Nate Diaz, Clay Guida. Like, not losing so who's the who, Yeah. Like, he's, lo- he's beating the who's – he's beating and losing. So he, he like – like, Anthony Pettis, like, look at the people he's beat too. Like, he's beat Donald he's- – he's head kicked – or body kick Donald Cerrone, former kickboxing uh, professional, and he's had a couple of Muay Thai fights. And then he submitted Benson Henderson, Gilbert Melendez, and Charles Oliveira, and Michael, and well, I'll, I'll throw even Michael Case in there. But Oliveira, Gilbert Melendez, and Benson Henderson are not just black belts, they are elite black belts. Like these are guys that go and compete in jiu jitsu and not just compete, win. So Anthony Pettis is submitting people that should be submitting him. So, uh, yeah, these guys are on losing streaks, but they're not, quote-unquote, losing to bums. Right. This is this is basically 250, 155 is not cutting weight, fighting at 170. So uh, I don't expect – whoever loses, they're not going anywhere. Unless yeah. they get traded because that's a whole thing nowadays, they're not going anywhere. Like Donald Cerrone, most wins, most fights in UFC history. Anthony Pettis will fight anyone. <laughs> and oh, – he, both of these guys are fearless. Like the only reason, like yeah, he he has a TKO loss to Tony Ferguson, is because he broke his hand in the fight, yeah. and he he was doing well in that fight before he broke his hand. Uh, Poirier fight, uh, he got hurt in that fight. I don't like he he like broke a rib or something in that fight, and then Holloway fought a 145, shouldn't have fought a 145. So, uh, not losing a bum. So I this is to say that Pete, like I would be excited for this fight would be an understatement. And we
0: know especially Cowboy's not going anywhere given his time in the octagon. A rematch from their 2013 fight should be pretty fun. Let's get to the top of this card though. UFC 249 with Jose Youngs from MMA Fighting here on the Money Mitch Effect. Starts with Gaichi Ferguson. I mean, Gechi. they don't call him the highlight for nothing. He's got four, I think, fight of the night uh, awards in his arsenal, three performance of the nights. Even his losses are exciting. Uh, the fight against Poirier comes to mind there, and he's fighting a guy in Tony Ferguson, Jose, that hasn't lost since 2012, 12 straight wins. This And, and someone that you, i got to give credit to, called him just legit crazy, uh, I think, ahead of the time there. So you know this guy's not going to back down. Tony Gaethje is a heck of a fight. And I just want to point out this as well. You, you hit the nail on the head in this regard. Gaethje has a chance in this fight. No, you know, the betting markets make him a slight to uh, sizable underdog. I would favor Ferguson in this
1: fight, but I'm never counting Gaethje out given the weapons that he has. You bring up the fact that he has a couple bonuses, uh, Justin Gaethje. That's underselling him. He's had, I think, six UFC fights, um, if I remember off top of it. He has six total fights in the UFC and seven bonuses. He has more bonuses than total wins. Like perform like his fight against uh, Michael Johnson to me mm. is the greatest debut in the history of the UFC. Like not like I have seen Justin Gaethje fight in person probably more than most media members have because he's from Arizona, so I've seen him a lot on the the uh, the regional circuit. Never been in a boring fight in my life. Like I've been to a lot of his world series of fighting fights, especially one of the ones that are in Denver and obviously the ones in Arizona. His two fights against Luis Palomino, they bothered me because they were so good and so violent, and he took so much damage in one in front of maybe two thousand people. I'm like. I hope this guy isn't shot before he gets to the UFC. I hope he's not punch drunk yeah. before he gets to the He's taking too much damage in these smaller uh, World Series of Fighting stuff. Makes his debut. I know what to expect because I've seen him fight a thousand times. I was hoping he at least put on a good show for the UFC fans just to like show what he's all about. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest like, – like I said, greatest debut I've ever seen in the history of the UFC. Gets performance and fight of the night bonus in his first fight – and then loses to Eddie Alvarez, Dustin Poirier, and two, not just fight of the nights. I think his fight against Dustin Poirier was the fight of the year in a lot of uh, people's in a lot of people's minds. And then his Eddie Alvarez fight is his only non-main event. He got finished with one minute left in the fight against Eddie Alvarez, who's a former champion. Yeah. Uh, and then go, rattles off three straight uh, first-round knockouts. So uh, Justin Gaethje is the most exciting fighter on the UFC roster, pound for pound. I wish he had a full fight camp. I wish this for which was for a, re, uh, a a regular title. I wish in a perfect world we got Habib, Tony, and then Gaethje, McGregor, Whoa, and then yeah, the winners yeah. and then the winners fight. That to me would be the best case scenario. Obviously, didn't happen. Uh, if I'm Conor McGregor, I don't take that fight. That is the worst possible fight for him to make. For him to take uh, high high risk, low reward, considering he can probably skip the lion whenever he wants. Uh, this fight is—I—I I don't say a lot of guarantees. I guarantee this fight is going to be absolutely—it's going to be a wood chipper versus a buzz saw. That's as, as best as I can describe this fight.
0: Yeah, you notice also that McGregor, for, for obvious reasons, just to get to him, he, he doesn't have to—you know—work his way up the ladder. That's just how the business works. But right. not really, not really jumping out. Don't really hear Gaethje's name being brought up for obvious reasons. Uh yeah, like I said, I'm gonna. I, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna pick Gaethje in this one, and I, I think I, it's close to me. And I just, I think I want chaos here, and I think Gaethje's the guy to do it. It's gonna take a crazy individual to stop Tony's streak. I just think he might be up for it on Saturday. He,
1: night. it's it's, it's tough, man. I think Tony Ferguson had a real good chance of beating Habib. Obviously, I would favor Habib over Ferguson and over Gaethje. it's just fights man styles styles make fights fights. just tony ferguson also because because he's a crazy man he's supposed (laughs) to fight on april he's supposed to fight in april i think april 19th was the exact date he decided to make weight anyway after he missed after the fight was canceled he weighed in at 155 pounds in april and then he has to do a quick turnaround fight and cut weight again i'm curious to see how his body holds up after two back-to-back weight cuts to 155 pounds but tony is a goddamn mad man i'm sorry if i'm not I'm right. swear on this but okay. he is a crazy person uh interesting note though he I, I i'm curious if we missed out on on his prime uh in terms of these title fights because if he beats habib like if say this habib fight is made a sixth time and he wins the undisputed lightweight championship of the world he would be the oldest champion in lightweight history mm-hmm. he's i think 37 right now 36 so he's not a spring chicken yeah he is a he came back from like a pcl tear on like five months recovery which is insane to me uh but he's not i think his best days might be behind him i think this is going to be his last if he doesn't if he beats gaichi he's probably physically not going to be the same gaichi's one of those fighters uh so i'm just curious if we miss out on the a true tony ferguson habib fight in terms of their athletic primes
0: Yeah, the guy had what, like baseball gloves on almost. He had his UFC gloves on at the weigh in with with, at the uh, not the weigh in at the press conference with Khabib that took place. He's legitimately crazy. Uh, Oh yeah, he's a he's a he's a he's a lunatic. (laughs) That should make for a great fight. I can't wait for it. The bantamweight fight between uh, Henry Cejudo and Dominic Cruz. Interesting that this is a fight taking place because Cejudo wants to be the greatest. He's he's getting his uh, profile up to say the least. He's you no man. longer he's no longer the uh, flyweight champ, but he is the bantamweight champ, and he's fighting a guy that only has two losses. Who put the division on his map, Jose? But hasn't yeah. fought since 2016. A loss to Cody Garbrandt. We know the Cruz story. One of the all-time greats overcame a, a, a what seemed to be a career-threatening injury to regain the belt. Has had a couple injuries since transitioned to being one of the best commentators in the UFC as an analyst. This is a pretty tall task for him to get back into at his age. What are you expecting from Cruz in this fight?
1: Dominic Cruz, to me, is still the greatest bantamweight ever, uh, which is t- crazy to say because he's been on the shelf for so long. He's already had this feel-good story before, mm-hmm. where he came back from a long layoff and uh, it wasn't a war. But if you just like high-level and martial arts, his fight against TJ Dillashaw is up there for best title fights I've ever seen, too. But it wasn't an insane back-and-forth bite down your mouthpiece. Uh, give each other concussions for 25 minutes. It was, like, so technical. If you're just a fan of footwork, watch that fight. 25 minutes of phenomenal footwork, head movement, hitting angles and everything. Like, he's so awkward to watch fight. I think he has a better chance of beating Henry Cejudo than Aldo, uh, which was Henry Cejudo's original opponent, just because Aldo is, uh, I think, like you said, matchups make make fights. I think Drew's is super tall, Uh, Compared to uh, so he's not free. He's not a tall human, but he's tall for one thirty five takes weird angles And he's already proven he can take three years off recover from injuries and then come back and beat a high-level Bantamweight and TJ Dillashaw, he came back and beat TJ for the championship Uh, And then he he rattled off another win over Faber and then lost to Cody Garbrandt uh, Who again say what you want? That was a phenomenal Cody Garbrandt pitched a perfect game, Uh, but it's not like he finished Cruz Uh, I kind of favor cruz in this fight i think styles make matchups uh styles make fights and uh is hyper fast uh he's he has great his his, like karate stance that he does allows him to really time counter uh uh, fighters that kind of blitz in but cruz isn't one of those fighters uh i think this is in terms of matchups this is so fascinating this is it's, it's just a fun fight i yeah. don't care if there's a title on the line i'll watch these guys spar uh i think i i slightly favor cruz Suhudo hasn't fought since last june he's had a, he had his surgery on his shoulder uh he's been doing this whole triple c thing but cruz is the greatest band of all time in my mind by default just because no one has really like taken that title from him i think if sujudo wins he has a good argument this is a tough fight, but I, I slightly favor. I slightly favor. I think it's like fifty forty-one, Cruz in my mind. Wow, I, I
0: I'm going the other way, but close. I'm going Henry close. I just I want to see, and I know Cruz. You mentioned this, it's a great story, but this is more of a multiple injury thing. It was the shoulder. It was I think the ri- a wrist injury or something yeah. like that. Hasn't fought in a while. Um, Henry, though, yeah. I mean, he's coming off of a layoff himself. It's a fascinating fight. I just
1: want to know. If Peter Yan comes in and cleans up pretty soon, he uh, it's it's so we've we've talked about this a lot on the Ace on my monster, podcast. Monster, This my co-host Pete Carroll has been talking about Peter Yan for longer than I can remember. Uh, phenomenal fighter, I think. I think he beats Saudo. I think he doesn't have. I think he has a hard task against Cruz because he's not super fast, but he's super powerful and super technical. Uh, I think Cruz. Can use his Yan's lack of speed to his advantage. Uh, I think, like, like we've said a million times, Matt, like Styles make fights. I think Cruz's style matches up much better than Cejudo. But that being said, this pandemic is going to hit international fighters hard because if they can't, if the champion is is an American fighter, it's not like international fighters can come and get into the United States to fight. Uh, yeah fight island exists but like is henry cejudo going to be able to go to fight island like like aldo the only reason it's not aldo is because he couldn't get into america because of this pandemic so peter yawn even Algermaine sterling like those are in Corey sanhagen uh marlon Moraes, like these are all fighters that should be fighting for the title soon but a few of them like like peter yawn uh and um jose aldo uh Marlon, Murray, like well, Marlon's based in America uh, now at ATT, but these international fighters are going to be hit hard. So yeah, like Peter Yan should be fighting for the title, but it, it might be a while, considering yeah. he might not be able, be able to get stateside.
0: We'll see what happens. This division is uh, definitely heating up. It's good to have Cruz back into the mix, in, in, back into the mix, I should say. Um, as we look at the rest of the fights on this main card, the heavyweight battle. I'm actually really excited for this one, Jose. Uh, doing some research. Obviously, we know about Francis. And what the predator can do, and his last couple of fights, which uh, I know you've been—I know you've been watching this—but he fought Blades, Kane Velasquez, Junior Dos Santos, less than two and a half minutes to handle all of them. So I mean, he just—it it, it hasn't gone long; it hasn't needed to go long for Francis. And uh, this guy is fighting Rosenstreich. Watching some of what he's done, undefeated fighter on the come up, has wanted this fight from Francis. A kickboxing background and a great left from what i've seen in all these what he did to overeem was just uh, scary to say to say the least this is a fight that i think could be could, could i mean obviously i don't think it's going to last very long But I wouldn't be shocked if I saw the upset here. I'm not predicting it, but... Oh,
1: this is a heavyweight. There's no upsets at heavyweight. Like, you touch someone, you're... Like, anyone can be anyone at heavyweight. I've talked to Corey Sanhagen, who is a 135-er, one of the the top bantamweights in the world, and he doesn't like watching heavyweights fight because, like, are you showing skill? Like, this is where his word goes, are you really showing skill if you can just touch a guy and they go to sleep? I'm like, I mean, that is a skill in and of itself. (laughs) Like, just touching a guy. But he's... His 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 words do have truth to it. Where, like, specifically these two, Jairzinho Rosenstreak and Francis Ngannou can touch you on the chin and you just you die pretty much. Like, he knocked out Alan Crowder in not, Jairzinho knocked out Alan Crowder was in nine insane. seconds. That, and and that didn't even look,
0: and that barely even looked like it was his best punch. And
1: right over, he's obviously he's, Suriname, he's from Suriname, so he's a big deal down there. He's like like it's one of the smallest countries. In all, it might be the smallest country in South America. Uh, so he's a household name down there, named after a Brazilian soccer legend. Uh, there's a great video of uh, the actual Jairzinho, who I think was on the '98 or 2002 or yeah. 90, one of the World Cup teams that won the the in, from Brazil that won the World Cup. So he's a national hero, and then his father named him after that, uh, after him. There's a great video of, of the real Jairzinho, like watching his fights and like commentating it. Uh, I like this fight. I wish it was... The heavyweight division is so stagnant right now that the winner of this is number one contender. For After sure. For the winner of Cormier Stipe, they are the number one contender. The problem is Cormier Stipe might not happen until the winter. Uh, rightfully so. Don't have to get me started on that. I'm going to get real angry if you talk about that. Uh, but I, I, just feel the winner is going to have to wait a long time, and it's a bit of, it's a bit of a bummer. Right, we could have a retirement situation there too. I mean, it seemed for Cormier especially. Um, what, well, Dana's is talking about stripping Stepe because Stepe doesn't want to fight till the winner. I'm like, okay, let's, yeah. <laughs> the man, imagine I'm going to say, oh, I imagine know. a world, imagine a scenario. You know what where he's this doing is good right idea. now, Stepan Miocic is a first responder yeah that's what he's doing right now He's also this like i don't have to tell you (laughs) the state of ohio is in lockdown Mm -hmm. stipe can't even get to his gym like say he wanted to fight say he wanted to fight in july he can't he has nowhere to train so can't train so what's he doing instead he's a first responder emt imagine a world where Dana white strips a first responder because his state is in lockdown (laughs) idiot (laughs) absolute (laughs) lunacy I'm not well, going like,
0: to yeah, I'm not going to get worked up over that too. <laughs> uh, but I will say though that yeah, absolutely the winner of this fight, no one can enter no questions asked. This was supposed to be a 5-round fight main main card or the last fight on a fight night card. It's now a 3-round fight. Normally I'd be like, "Whoa, this kind of sucks," but you know, what is it <laughs> what does it really matter making this 5 versus 3? I'm excited to see it. Francis is putting together a resume where it's hard to argue that he's just mowing people down in his in his quest for the in his quest for the belt. The only last question on this fight I have for you Jose is do you think that there might be a kernel of a possibility that he might fight a little hesitant because of the respect for power? And I don't want to go back to that Black Beast fight <laughs> too much, but is there any possibility where Francis takes his foot off the accelerator out of respect for his opponent?
1: he says he's changed he says he's doing things differently i don't think like if you watch the Jairzinho fights he's not like he's not a guy that's gonna blitz you he is he is a phenomenal counter striker like he makes catches you making a mistake and you pay uh francis is similar well he'll catch you making a mistake and then you pay so this is basically two guys with grenades threatening the other one to throw first. So do not be surprised if this is 15 minutes of no you go. No, oh. you go. No, you go. Like, I, I don't mind those fights because, like, to me, my heart is just gonna beat out of its chest for 15 minutes. Like, mm-hmm. who's gonna who's gonna throw their sword first is is interesting. Like, those fights fascinate me. It's very it is so not fan friendly whatsoever i know dana white would if he had hair would be ripping it out uh not what you want to do which is why i wish this was five rounds because you saw like alistair overeem had so much respect for Jairzinho's power that he stayed away grappled him threw him down held him against the cage pitter-pattered him and stayed on the outside like a smart intelligent fight was not exciting it was smart and i do not blame him for that I actually appreciated a lot of Overeem's uh, approach to that fight. Yep. And then Jairzinho stayed in it until like 10 seconds left and then just hit him with a hammer and knocked him dead and split his face open. So uh, Jairzinho proven that he can kill you at any moment. I just don't know if Francis is going to be willing to rush in. Like if you watched his uh, fight against Junior, he caught Junior turning around and running away. <laughs> like Junior was running around and then – Francis wrapped his fist around and knocked him out and then Kane he he yeah. caught with a punch with his back against the fence uh and then a lot of these fights he even the overing fight like he caught him in a, in a in an exchange so it's not like he's just running in there with haymakers he's picking his shots so don't be surprised with this 15 minutes of no you go no you go all right well we'll, we'll have to see but
0: should be boning up to be a great fight. Uh, lastly, on this card, the other two main cards, thoughts on those? Jose Stevens has kind of turned into like a gatekeeper. Yeah. With the amount of fights at featherweight. Now he gets Calvin Katar. And then, unfortunately, for a lot of people, Greg Hardy is also on this card fighting someone I don't really know. Hardy is a prohibitive favorite in that one. So, thoughts on those last two main card fights?
1: Oh, I th- it is so dumb that Greg Hardy is a favorite in this. Jorgen de Castro is a bad dude. Like, Fall River native... Uh, so always got to give a shout out to my fellow New Englanders. Uh, I believe he actually is like he teaches or something at a at a at a school like an elementary or high school or something. So he has a full time job. He just happens to be a teacher. So uh, Jorgen De Castro is phenomenal. Like I saw him fight on the Contender Series. His coaching, his coach was phenomenal. Like the way he'll just say like random words, and Jorgen knows what those mean. So like the whole fight, it's because for those of you who don't know, the Contender Series is in the Apex Center, so it's really quiet. Because there's no fans. So he's like walking his – I can't remember who we fought off the top of my head. But like he's like standing there and then his coach just yells, lunchbox. And then Jorgen just knocks the guy dead with an upper with like a leg kick punch. So I'm like, I don't know what lunchbox means, but Jorgen clearly did. Uh, Greg Hardy, better fighter than people give him credit for. Uh, say what you want about the man's history. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the, the platforms he's gotten in terms of his, his placement on cards. Right. But we've said this before. If if he's not Greg Hardy, if he's just a regular NFL player making the jump over to MMA, he's doing everything right. Yeah. Like, it like goes to ATT. Tra- arguably the best gym in the world. Takes a couple amateur fights. Has two contender series fights. So, he's doing the right things. He just happens to have his name tied to a lot of controversy. And then he doesn't help himself. Mm-hmm. Gets a DQ in his first loss, in his first fight, uh, where he need the downed opponent. Then he uses a stupid... Uh, uh the mouth, the inhaler yeah, the inhaler air. in his fight in boston so that fights turned to a no contest uh then fights a guy who's terrified of him in texas i don't it's 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 unfortunate all the things that are tied to him because if this if his if his fight if he's not greg hardy and his fights are happening like they should happen not without all the controversy he's an elite heavyweight prospect he's yeah. just not I think this is very much prospect versus prospect. Someone's going to sleep in this fight. This fight, I can guarantee you, someone's going to bed. Uh, Jorgen de Castro is an unbelievable fighter. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if Greg Hardy won, but I do. I personally favor Jorgen DeCastro. Castro. Uh, I get why uh, this fight is not is on the is on the. I get people are mad. Cerrone Pettis is on the prelims, and Hardy de is on the pay per view. The UFC wants to put Cerrone Pettis on ESPN. You want to put the high-level fights on ESPN. You want to put one or two. Makes sense. Cerrone Pettis is the perfect fight. They're coming off of losses. Uh, They're not fighting for the title anytime soon. Hardy DeCastro also also has the possibility to be really sloppy and ugly. And with all the controversy Greg Hardy has had surrounding his fights, I don't know if they want that on actual ESPN. So I get the plays for this. Stevens Cater. Jeremy Stevens, I believe, has the most losses in UFC history. But he's never in bad fights. Never in bad fights. His fight is his last fight against the IR in Boston. Phenomenal. I can't believe he survived that fight. He is a gatekeeper. But like everyone that he like everyone he loses to at 145 goes on to greatness. Like yeah. uh, Max Holloway, arguably the greatest featherweight ever. Frank Yeager's Frank Yeager, he future Hall of Famer. Cub Swanson, uh, one of the greatest uh, fighters in featherweights ever. Uh, Charles Oliveira, most submissions in the history of the UFC. Uh, Moicano, Aldo, Zabit, Yair, like these are all top 10 fighters. And then he beats like Duo Choi. Gilberland is one of the greatest lightweights ever, dropped down to 145. Beats Berm- His fight against Bermuda is a 189. Uh, un- underappreciated given the fact that Jeremy Stevens missed weight, so he wasn't eligible for a bonus. But that flying, that like walk-off flying knee was Incredible back against stuff. the fans, Yeah, Unreal. Duo Choi. Josh Emmett, uh, Ben Burrell, Burrell, former champion. But Duo Choi and Josh Emmett just weren't ready. Uh, and Jeremy Stephens proved it. So his using him as a ruler, like a measuring stick, I like that role for him. I don't think Calvin Cater needs a measuring stick. I think Calvin Cater's has already proven himself that he is one of the best 145ers in the world. His destruction of Ricardo Lamas was super impressive. And then his loss to Zabit was weird because he was supposed to fight in Boston. uh, And then they pull that fight to have – because I can't – I think there's something wrong with Zabit. I can't can't remember. He might have gotten hurt or something. But they rebooked. So Calvin Cater is supposed to fight in Boston where he's from, in the TD Garden, this big hometown, homecoming, biggest fight of his life. His opponent pulls out. So they rebook him in Russia (laughs) against Zabit. And then – the original main event between Junior, Junior Dos Santos and Alexander Volkov falls out, so then they elevate him to the main event and is not out of the fight whatsoever. that was actually a really entertaining fight. Fight of the so, night, yeah. Yeah, Calvin Cater doesn't need Jeremy Stevens as a measuring stick. This is just a fun fight. So uh, would it be surprised if that got uh, performance of the night uh, or some or fight of the night too? Because uh, those two guys crack hard. I obviously favor Calvin Cater. I just think he's uh, I think he's one of he's in the prime of his career, and like I said. I don't want Jeremy Stevens mad at me. He's one of the last people I ever want mad at me. Uh, but I think he's his his the most he's had the most losses in UFC history. I don't think he's ever strung together more than three wins in a row. Uh, so I would clearly favor Calvin Cater in this fight.
0: Well, that's a good point, DeCastro, You you think it's ridiculous he's not the favorite? So I'm gonna I'm gonna make a note of that one. That, uh... So if you're a
1: bet, obviously I I don't give betting advice because half the time I'm wrong and I don't want people to blame me. If Jorgen De is the underdog, you might want to look at that. Yeah, fight. no, I, <laughs> it,
0: just you're giving you're giving value advice. Like yes. you're not you're saying, look, if this guy is a big, this fight should be close. So if you're seeing something where it's not, that'd be something to look at. I understand. Um, all right, well Jose Youngs, this was great. Uh, appreciate you coming on and talking about this. We do have some some other fights coming up. I know you're going to be going down to Jacksonville for you know three fight cards in about a week's time. I know Overeem's fighting Walt Harris. I don't think I'm I'm out of turn saying we're all pretty much pulling for Walt Harris to have a triumphant return in in that one, uh, given all that he's gone through.
1: Yeah, it's uh, a lot of great fights coming up. Anthony Smith, Glover to share is phenomenal. Angela Hill fights. I always like watching her fight. Uh, A lot of good fights on these cards. Edson Barbosa is dropping down 145 pounds to fight Danny Ige. That fight uh, rules. Uh, A lot of good fights, but I still have a lot of questions. (laughs) surrounding safety protocol before i can even think about fights but yeah uh if you're a fan of uh, fist fighting uh don't miss this is a this is gonna be a good week for you in Jacksonville. last last question on your way down to jacksonville is
0: there anything that's going to get more rotation than after hours (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, now that, you, now that you bring it up, no, absolutely not. That's funny. I didn't even think about that. No, Yeah, hell, hell no. That's going to be a 100% rotation. I don't know many people that like The
0: Weeknd more, and I know you – let's just put it this way. I know that was well-received when that was released.
1: I freaking love that album. I love that album so much. Uh, I've been I, – i to the point where I listen to that album so much, I kind of uh, – I had to put a pause on it because it's one of those things where like – you ever get one of those songs you listen to so much that you start to hate it? because you just get yeah. bored of it? I yeah. don't want that to happen to this. I'm upset that this pandemic is going on because I wanted to go put the weekend tattoo on my body and I can't oh. do that right now. <laughs> so I'm I like that's funny. Yeah, now that you mention it, like I'm going to have a lot of fl- lot of flights to fill wow. uh, with that album. Move over, Dwayne Johnson. Uh, also, shout out, sh- shout out to. Uh, uh, this is y'all appreciate this. I tweeted something in September, October, November, er, around that time. I said if uh, Habib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson fell out for the fifth time, I would lock myself in my room and eat my body weight in Oreos while listening to Immortal Technique because to me, Immortal Technique is just like the saddest. Like he brings, he makes me depressed. Mm-hmm. Like you can feel sad listening to a song, but like I like. I feel like demoralized and don't want to do anything for the rest of my day. Immortals, I did not tag Immortal Technique in this. I didn't even know Immortal Technique was on Twitter. And he found that tweet and tweeted at me and was like, we're waiting. And I was like, god damn, Like I just got put on blast by <laughs> Immortal did. Technique. He called you out. So he called me out for that. So I have to put that video out at some point. But uh, shout out to Immortal Technique for searching his own name on Twitter and calling me out
0: incredible well there you go fans uh, the smartest bet of the week is the over on after hours how much Jose is going to listen to it on his travels to Florida for UFC 29 Jose Young's catch him out on MMA fighting all his podcasts as well thanks for coming on the money Mitch effect
1: anytime man happy to be on so uh, also we didn't even talk about professional wrestling this time Ooh. we'll have to do that we'll have to do that next time I come on we will gotta save something save
0: something for the future but thanks again wow. Jose. anytime boss All right, huge thanks again to Jose Youngs for coming on. Immoral Technique, that's that's pretty funny. Uh, didn't think that'd be uh, where we'd go at the end of this one, but remember, whatever you tweet out, there might be someone uh, listening and uh, following up on that. But he's got a bet to settle up, and he's got a lot of weekend to listen to. Uh, but props again to Jose. Check out his stuff at MMAFighting.com. All his columns and the A-Side live chat podcast that he does there. ...as well. Big fights going on this weekend. Hope everybody enjoys that. I'm I'm rolling with Gaethje in the main event. I know it's a little bit of an upset, but a lot of good fights there. Can't wait for that. We got live sports. We got a couple fight cards coming up. And sports are slowly starting to roll back in. A reminder, you can catch every episode of the Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Just search Money Mitch Effect. It comes right up. Follow us on the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page. And check me out at Money Mitch M21 on Twitter... That's it for this week's show. We'll be back uh, shortly. We'll see when uh, the next sporting event needed to cover will will bring me out of uh, the bat cave, if you will. But thanks again to Jose Youngs. Thanks again to everybody out there for listening. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Until next time, keep enjoying sports.